Welcome to the Gospel According to with Ryan and Mike, a conversation designed to explore what makes the gospel good news in various books and topics of the Bible. Okay, Michael, we get to begin our great adventure into Isaiah 40 through 55. And in this section, we're actually going to break up chapter 40 because this is just such a rich text. And today we're going to talk through the first 11 verses of chapter 40. Can you get us started by helping us to understand the structure and what's going on in these 11 verses? Yeah, so in these 11 verses, there are four distinct sections. The first two verses gives us a a heading for the whole chapter, as well as this whole section of 40 through 55. It's a message of comfort. Um, And then in 3 through 11, with the remaining three sections, we see these three distinct voices. There are these these, uh, prophetic oracles, each sort of give their own vision, um, and then together provide a a more complete victory. Uh, vision and message about God. And so the first in verses three through five is a message about a uh, an emissary who goes before the king to prepare the way for him. For, oh, for Typically, I'm the one that uses big words. Can you define emissary for me? Ambassador or Thank you. <laughs> uh, messen- messenger. <laughs> You've been around uh, me too long. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. And, and, and so here's this, this one who's, who's building a road so that God can show up and, and, be revealed. Um, the, the second voice in six through eight uh, is a message about the, the transience of humanity and yet the enduring faithfulness and permanence of God's word and God's promises. And then nine through 11, you have this evangel- uh, evangelistic voice, this, this gospel uh, proclaimer who is letting everyone know that God has come to rule um, and that he rules like a gentle shepherd. So we can break this down a little bit more. But yeah, those are the four sections, one through two, three through five, six through eight, and nine through 11. Good. You know, Um, and Mike and I had talked for a while before we recorded this about, you know, who are these voices? And, you know, clearly in the New Testament, you see verses three to five ascribed to John the Baptist um, in a very prophetic sense. Um, But with any media context of Isaiah, it seems that these are all merely the prophet Isaiah. Mm-hmm. Um, who is in responding to God's voice, giving different facets of this beautiful message yeah. that uh, God is coming. God is yeah. coming. And, and I love yeah. the way that Mike bro- broke it down for us is seeing, you know, three, three, five, there is this message of clear the path. God is coming six through eight. The word of the Lord will bring life and the word of the Lord will bring judgment. And then nine through 11, as God comes, he is going to reign. So, Let's start and get into these first two verses. Give us a context for what's going on here. So the most helpful immediate context, and and again, as we were talking, Ryan laughed because he knows I'm like so uh, preachy about context, right? And uh, yes. but yeah, the, the the immediate context, at least at the very end of thirty nine, the, the end of the 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 last major section of of the book, there's this impending doom, really this this ominous message that captivity is coming, Babylon is coming. The, the, the subsequent generation is going to go away into Babylon, into captivity, into exile. And yet when we pick up in chapter 40, it's as if we've, we've skipped ahead. And now we are at the end of exile as the people are coming out of exile, experience, having experienced that world-changing, world 
ending experience. And the message is comfort. This opening line, comfort, oh, comfort my people, says your God, speak kindly to Jerusalem, right? This this is a, a powerful message that, that really defines um, and not just what's going on in these first 11 verses, but really the rest of 40 through 55, the rest of Isaiah, and really all of, of messianic expectation. Even if you think about uh, Luke, when you've got Simeon in the, in the temple, what is he looking for? The consolation of Israel, right? He's looking for that comfort that Isaiah promised. And so this opening line of comfort, oh, comfort my people would define the expectation of subsequent generations where they're longing for God to finally give them comfort as they continue in really an exile, even though they're back in the land, they continue to endure a, a, a form of exile as one foreign power after the other rules over them and oppresses them. And so they're longing for that consolation to finally right. come. Yeah, 100%. But yeah. notice here that consolation comes not just by bodily, literally removing them from exile, but by dealing with the sin problem that led to exile. And Redemption so over rescue. You didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So he talks about the warfare's ended, the iniquity's been removed. She's received that double for sin. So, so sin's been dealt with that, that fundamental problem of sin that goes all the way back to the beginning of the story in Genesis 3, that fundamental problem of sin is being dealt with. And so that's what's opening up the way for this message of comfort. No, it is. I mean, I, obviously you you are uh you would love to go back and just work through one through 39 and then see all the contextual clues i think that was yeah. extremely important to know chapter 40 what's going on i mean just briefly if you look at 39 verse 6 i'm just going to read the first part of that verse yeah the day will come when everything in your palace along with everything your ancestors stored up until today will be carried off to babylon nothing will be left yeah uh, the, the message that isaiah has given in chapters um really 36 through 39 is yeah. this message of you're going to babylon assyria yeah. is no longer the power that you need to be concerned with mm-hmm. babylon is going yeah. to be the power that you need to be concerned with yeah. And there's this chronological jump forward in Isaiah 40, where mm-hmm. now Israel is in Babylon, but Isaiah is giving them the promise to those who are in Babylonian captivity, yeah. God is going to lead you out back to Zion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the, the other thing I want to note about verse two is, yeah. you know, in an earlier conversation, we had discussed the main problem in Isaiah, and th- there's this twofold effect of the problem. Um depravity and captivity, both mm-hmm. of those are being dealt with here. Yeah, absolutely. And the only way to redeem Israel from captivity is to deal with their depravity, yeah. which is why God is going to deal with the sin problem, which will then allow them to go back into the land, which obviously we have to be reading this with Isaiah 53 coming. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because this is the story it's going to lead us to. Yeah, it, it's the the... The sort of logic of the text here is here's that proclamation, that comforting proclamation that sin is being dealt with, but it's not the text isn't telling us how. It's yeah, not until yeah. it's not until we see the the scene later on in 52 and 53 where we realize, oh, this is how God's dealing with the sin problem. Yeah. The, the other thing I'd like to note is, you know, comfort, comfort my people. Um mm-hmm. 
Second Corinthians is is the book of the New Testament that talks about comfort a lot. Even in chapter yeah. one, verse three, the God of all comfort. He's yeah, called. absolutely. Um, but even in Second Corinthians, comfort is not cheap. Uh, Bonhoeffer mm-hmm. talked about cheap grace. I think mm-hmm. a lot of Christians talk about cheap comfort. Yeah. Um, True comfort is not rescue from the problem. True comfort is redemption through the problem. Through it. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, and that's, that's exactly what, what Paul's Isaiah, getting at. Yeah. 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 In Second yeah. Corinthians, Paul is drawing right from that Isaiah message yeah. where, yes, God is going to redeem you and God is going to save you, but it's going to take you a while to get back there and it's going to be a difficult process. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's really good. Okay, well, let's get through these voices. Let's get through yeah. these voices. What is the message of that first voice in verses three to five? Yeah, so so it's important to understand. We, we talked about this in earlier episodes that that we we've got to see the vision itself, right? We've got to even back in our revelation season, right? The, we put a big emphasis on being able to just picture what's being described in our minds, and that's really important here in three through five, where here is this messenger, this emissary, someone who's going before this great king. And, and so it might be helpful to, to picture sort of like an ancient Near Eastern superpower and this great king that lives in a, a foreign land who's coming to your land. And in order for, you know, like a, a Persian king to visit Jerusalem, for example, right? In order for that to happen, this road is being built where there was no road. Right. And so right through the middle of the desert and where there are high mountains that are hard to to cross and deep valleys that are that are hard to to cross. You've got the the peaks of the mountains and the valley, you know, being uh, scraped off and and pulled down into the valleys so that you've got this smooth road. When, when I was a landscape architect learning to do grading design, we talked about cut and fill. And the idea in that is to make a whether you're talking about a sidewalk or a road or whatever to make that smooth pass and people listening on a podcast can see me talking with my hands, but you know, you know, again, just imagine taking those high points and those low points and evening them out so that you've got a smooth path. You've got a smooth walk. And that's what this, this road construction team is doing, but he's doing it to prepare the way for the King to come for God to come. And then his glory will be revealed. And, and that, even that, you know, talk about my love of textual links back in chapter 11, that was the vision that the earth will be full of the knowledge of God as the waters cover the sea. And we're finally starting to see that happen here as, as the one comes for prepares the way for God to come. Yeah. Yeah. And I love you drawing your architect experience to make sense of that, Mike, because this is a text that for a long time, I was kind of like, I really don't know what's going on here. Um, Mountains and valleys and all that. But when you see this is about a road being made for God to come, that makes a lot of sense. And and I think even if you take this idea of mountains and valleys and hills, I mean, mountains, of course, demonstrate obstacles and human pride. Um, Nothing is going to separate God bringing his people back home. God is going to go forth and prepare the way himself for the King's coming Um, and his people will follow. It's it's a beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely lose touch of that. uh, The the idea of natural features as obstacles, you know, how, how, how easy is it for me if I wanted to come down and meet up with you in Louisville to come? But I mean, imagine if those bridges weren't there, how would, how would I get across the Ohio river to, to grab coffee with you in Louisville? Right. You know, right. And um, 
and yet again, that's what's being described here is those obstacles are being um, eliminated. Yeah. So then as we go into verses six through eight, I think the connection here is the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Yeah. And obviously I love six through eight. Um, yeah. The word of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, fruitfulness image, like everything yeah. that I love in teaching is in these verses. Absolutely. Uh, and it's interesting to note there is the spirit of God in verse seven, giving an act of judgment. Mm-hmm. The spirit of God or the wind of God blows on the grass and it fades and the people yeah. are as grass. Yeah. I think in the context, and I'll let you know your thought on this. It seems to me he's saying that the captors are just as grass. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Your Babylonian captors are just as grass. The word of the Lord will blow on them and judge them. And your captors are not going to have the final word here. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. There's something no, yeah, yeah, no, I, I think that's exactly right. Like, and, and, and it will see this, I think the same idea developed more fully in the next section of Isaiah 40, but, but this is a, what, what, again, to draw, use another L, uh, landscape architect term. Uh, this is a scale reference. This is, this is helping, helping people in the midst of suffering. And again, world ending, world changing suffering. Like it, it, it's hard for us in the comforts of our modern middle-class Western world to imagine the horrors uh, of exile um, and captivity and what that meant. Um, but speaking to people in that level of, of, of difficulty of trouble and turmoil there to yeah. despair yeah. To, to, to sort of see all that as if the grass that changes with the seasons, right? It sprouts up. I mean, we're recording this in October, middle October, right? It it was just the other day that like spring had finally come and the grass was green and I was getting ready to plant my garden and now it's done, right? You know, it just, it goes so fast. And to see even such horrific suffering in that and, and, and the oppressors that seem so powerful and so formidable and so, um, unbeatable to see them as just grass that the wind blows and it dries up. And yet here is God who said these things, who's made these promises and, and it will stand forever. Yes. And that's that. And that's the good news of verse eight. The word yeah. of the Lord will stand forever. Yeah. Now, of course we have to see this as so triune. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the father and the son and the spirit all working together, um, both to judge the the adversaries of the Lord and God's people, but also mm-hmm. then to bring new life and regeneration to his people. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, as much as I probably love uh, through verse <laughs> eight, nine through 11 is like everything that you love. Yeah. Um, take yeah, us through those it. verses. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is the gospel in a nutshell. You know, we, we talked about this from our opening episodes of this, what we've done in this podcast, but, but the announcement that God is King. And so you notice the call in verse nine, get up on a high mountain bearer of good news in the Septuagint. That's Yongeli on the same term. That's translated gospel in the new Testament, uh, lift your voice mightily bearer of good news. Do not fear, right? Okay. Well, Again, like this message of comfort, here's a message. Do not fear. Why? Because you're saying, here is your God, right? He's come and come to do what? Verse 10, he will come with might, with his arm ruling for him. Here is this powerful king that is defeating our enemies, rescuing his people, 
and and going to rule over them and through them, administering justice and righteousness and shalom. And 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 so we've got this picture of the powerful saving king, and yet again the dynamics of the gospel is not just that he reigns, but how does he reign? Right. That, you, you know, and, and, and here it's like a shepherd. He'll tend his flock in his arms. He'll gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He'll gently lead the nursing ewes. Right. I mean, from Genesis one through revelation, th- th- this overarching question that continues to come back is a, a, the central c- confession that God is King but then the question that's being answered is how is he king? How does he reign? How does he exercise his power? And, and here's one of those places that the scriptures give us that direct answer is he's that gentle shepherd. He's not dominating. He's not exploiting. He's not, um, you know, all the, all those sorts of uh, excesses of, of power and abuse of power, but you see this gentleness and this tenderness and this care and this compassion and protection, right? He's protecting his, lambs from the wolves, you know, from the lions. Um, but yet there's this, this profound gentleness in the way that he exercises his rule for his people. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's paradoxical, but it's comforting. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, whenever you notice this phrase in verse 10, his arm will rule for him. Yeah. That should immediately be taking our minds back to the Exodus where the yeah. arm of the Lord will be revealed. Exodus 6, yeah. 6 and a great many other places. Yeah. Um, the arm of the Lord will be revealed. And, and, and much as you have in Exodus, God and the angel of the Lord entering into captivity yeah. to bring his people out with might, then gently leading them and nourishing them. Um, this is what God is promising to do for those in Babylonian captivity, to enter into a bunch of captives and lead them out with power and then nourish them by his grace. And that's what Jesus Christ, of course, has done for us. Yeah. Entered right into the midst of human captivity and depravity to lead us out in power. And yet that power is not of this world. That power is heavenly power. Yeah, absolutely. And, And you think about the contrast between, you know, what they would have understood how the Assyrians exercise their power, how the Babylonians that they've been, you know, exiled with um, have exercised their power. Um, and yet how does God exercise his power? Right. How does he reign for his people? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and that always leads us to, to say, how then should we rule? Right. Yes. Um, uh, and, and you see the gospel lived out in gentleness and humility, not in domination. Thanks for listening to the Gospel According to Podcast. If you have any questions about what you heard today, please send us a voice message. We would really love to hear from you. Make sure you follow us on social media, subscribe, and click the bell to get notified when we drop a new episode. Until next time, and for all time, your God reigns. Your God reigns.